Welcome back to episode number five of Tailgate Till May. I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I am pumped to be back for another episode to talk some college football. As a reminder, if you like the show, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. You can basically find this show wherever you get your podcasts. And follow me on Twitter at Gorgon Sports. Today, I am super excited for this episode because I have a special guest. He's covered Baylor football. He's covered Western Michigan football. He's covered high school football. He's one of my favorite people in the world to talk college football with. He's one of my favorite people in the world to talk Terps with. You can find him on Twitter at Brian Kaufman TV. He's my good buddy, Brian Kaufman. How's it going, man? Oh, it's going great. I am uh, a huge fan of the show and honored to be here. Uh, and yeah, can't wait to talk about college football with you. It's been kind of a whirlwind pre-October, unlike we've seen in a few seasons. So a lot to get into and super excited to be here. Yeah, man. Well, to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit, you know, we watched week zero together of college football when you were here in Chicago. And I mean, the world has changed a lot since then, to to put it lightly, in a college football sense. But I, I got to ask you to start off today. You've been in Austin for the all of the college football seasons, the real college football season, right? Since Labor Day. So what is it like? What's a college football Saturday like in Austin if you're not going to a Longhorns game? Yeah, I mean, it's fun. It's lively. uh, Not this past Saturday, but the one before, we were down on Rainy Street, famous spot to grab a drink as a food outside uh, in Austin, not too far from 6th Street. That night, it was a night game, and UT was hosting Rice. So lots of Longhorn fans picked that one to skip if you, if you will, you know, sure. saw a ton of them downtown. They pretty much expected to, to crush rice. And that's exactly what they did. Um, that was a great spot for a college football Saturday, right? TVs everywhere, all the games on. Um, but you know, I don't know if this is a feather feather in Austin's cap to some and, and maybe not to others, but they seem acutely aware that it's a Texas town, but it's also a tourist town. So like that night we wanted to watch the primetime game at a bar on rainy street in Austin at the same time, Texas was playing. It was the Penn state Auburn game and had no issue, right? Got like TV one treatment. So I would say it's, it's a ton of fun. Um, I would, love to be here when the Longhorns are like mega relevant. Um, I I think, I mean, that game would have been sold out if they were super relevant, you know, title contenders and all that stuff. Um, But nevertheless, uh, I'm in Texas, man. It's, it's a football town, football state. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been really, really fun to kind of live out this first part of the season here. What's the Aggie representation like there? Do you see you see that? I don't want to offend anybody. Is it maroon? What's their colors? Yeah, it's maroon. maroon. It's I you know everybody has like their own special yeah. little terminology for red in this yeah, sport. So sure. got to tread lightly. But what what's the Aggie representation like in Austin? Yeah, they're they're here. Um, they they uh, I think I actually talked to a woman when we were watching games that day on Rainy Street because um, that was when. Uh, A&M narrowly escaped Colorado. And so she was, she was watching very intently. Um, so they're here. They seem to get along, you know, uh, you're not going to see their gear for sale in the local stores, uh, this close to uh, DKR, but they're, they're around as, as you'll see, um, kind of with Austin being one of the, the bigger cities where people will come after school, you, you see Baylor fans, you see Houston fans, you see SMU fans, you see TCU fans. So, um, more Aggies than those, 
uh, a decent spread across the board, but obviously mostly Longhorns. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, you know, we haven't talked much since the start of the season. We've we've been texting here and there, but first time we've got to really talk face to face or computer to computer since the start of the season here. So want to want to start uh, a little broadly in the broad college football landscape, right? We are essentially through non-conference play. We're about to jump into the meat of conference play. And like I said before, things have changed a lot since week zero. So overall impression of this season so far, how are you feeling about it? You excited? My word for it is refreshed. I'm feeling refreshed about this whole season, but how have have you, how have you felt about these first four or five weeks of the season. Yeah, I think refreshed is a great word. I, I saw, you know, on, on the rundown here, excited, bored, satisfied. And so I, of those, I, I definitely chose excited. I, I feel like I'm having fun with it. I, I'm having fun with the fact that it isn't as cookie cutter as we've seen. I, I alluded to that off the top a little bit, but Clemson's not going to cruise to an ACC title, right? Bama has looked legitimately beatable at least once before October. We're not used to that. Same with Oklahoma. Maybe that's less of a surprise, right? Um, Georgia just might rest, mess around and win the national title and actually be the best team in the country. Uh, Iowa State, North Carolina, maybe uh, you know falling short of some hype. Arkansas, Iowa, exceeding hype. It feels like there's a bit more parity than there has been. Um, might we still see Alabama, Georgia twice and that's just going to be who wins it maybe. Um, but I'm having more fun along the way than I thought I might, because I don't know who's going to win their conference, go to the playoff. And, and it feels like neither does really anyone. And so um, for me, that's been fun. Uh, curious to get your thoughts on it too. I- I'm with you there on the whole journey thing, right? Because to me, you know, when we had all those Alabama-Clemson national title games, you started to hear a lot of, like, there's Alabama-Clemson fatigue. Or for a while, the, the hot word was SEC fatigue when the SEC was winning every year. And to me, I never really thought that was a problem because I felt like the journey was always still fun, right? There was things happening. One of the national championships Clemson won, they lost a pit in November. You know, it's not like they just won every game by 40 points. But I feel like especially last year with that Alabama team and then to a lesser extent with LSU, you know, LSU isn't the team that's been in the college football playoff every year, but they were so dominant that 2019 year that after these past two years, it was kind of starting to feel like everything was just a foregone conclusion, right? Like somebody is going to come in. They're going to dominate all their games. It's not ever going to be a contest. Ohio State is so much better than the rest of the Big Ten. Oklahoma is so much better than the rest of the Big 12. Clemson so much better than the rest of the ACC. And like you said, it's not like, doesn't feel like that at all this year. And even if we ended up with those teams in the college football playoff still, I think just the fact that along the way, you didn't know that was going to happen and those teams did take a a few L's here and there I just think that's why I said refreshed because I think it's just refreshing to actually turn on a Clemson game and it's not a 40 point win they it's close or they actually go down they've lost two times in September so I mean that to me college football has always been about the unpredictability and that's part of what I think why I like it a little better than the NFL is there's so many crazy things happening and we just, we've missed a lot of that and it feels like it's back. Yeah. And and I feel like you, we've picked up more data points as the college football playoff years have gone by. And you mentioned how Clemson lost to Pitt that year. And I think that was maybe what was particularly fun and exciting about their loss 
their second loss was like, okay, they lost to Georgia, but like no one thought that that put them in jeopardy for any of their goals whatsoever, except I guess an undefeated season. Right. And then they lost again. Here they are at two and two, like that doesn't happen. And so I think, you know, it it is one of those things. And I mean, we're going to get into all these teams, I'm sure, but like Oklahoma is another one. It sure seems like they're going to take an L pretty soon. Like they're, they're playing with fire a little bit and, but you know, they can lose one. Oklahoma's done that plenty of times and and gone on and and made the playoffs. So, um, it, it feels a, a little bit different where it like went to that 2.0 version of what we've seen where, yeah, Clemson lost the game, but they're still going to win out in the ACC and nobody's really going to challenge them. They're going to blow out win in the ACC chip. Well, now we don't really know that's for sure. And that to me is, is what's made this, I think refreshing is a great word. Yeah. So let's dive into some of those teams a little bit. So I want to hear from you, Brian, which teams have your opinion has your opinion changed the most about either positive or negative? Uh, all right. I've got a couple for you. Um, I think an obvious one I should throw out there is Oregon. I mean, I didn't think Oregon was going to beat Ohio state. So they're sitting there in the, I think they're three in the AP poll right now. Um, I, I still don't know. I mean, listen, I, I heard you on, I think it was tailgate till May episode two say, is Brown the guy at QB? And, and I, I don't know. Do we have our answer? I don't know. Even if they, even if they won that game. Right. So, but, but I think just getting that win, it was one of those, like, you know, everything showed that Oregon was trending in the right direction, but then you've got to go win a game like that. And they did. And so, you know, it's been a few weeks and a lot has happened since then. Um, but I, I think if we're looking at the season to date as a whole, they're worth calling out. Um, and then I wouldn't say this is more of an impressed versus not impressed. And I know you're going to, you're going to drill me on this one, but I think it would just be like my opinion on maybe their ceiling has changed. I was a little bit hesitant with like the idea that since he's a legitimate playoff contender. And I think what I'm saying is not that they have done it. Like they're really, really good. So yes, they have impressed me, but the chips are already starting to fall pretty nicely right like i mean one or two right like clemson's gonna have a tough time getting in now i think we can largely agree on that it like would an undefeated since he get in over a two loss acc champion clemson i think so um so i i I think maybe maybe for me it's more their prospects um and and i know you're you generally come in high on cincinnati and i'm high on them now and and i think we're going to agree with a lot of what we're talking about when we talk about their game this week in particular um but yeah that's that's kind of where i come down yeah i no i i like look i've always been a big cincinnati i mean by always i mean the last two years <laughs> last i've been a, years, a yeah. big cincinnati <laughs> fan but i'm just a big i like the group of 5 in general like i want to see the group of 5 succeed and i you know i talked about it can't remember a couple weeks ago but I do think I think the group of five is actually a very important part of college football, and that's why I like to see them succeed. But I don't always believe in their ability to succeed for things far out of their control. Like I do not think, you know, I don't think there's like a grand conspiracy or anything to keep uh, to keep certain teams out. Like I'm not an Ohio State fan, being like ESPN controls the CFP and (laughs) they want, you know, they're going to put in four SEC teams. Like, that's not what I'm saying here. However, I think the sport has been set up in a way where it is 
nearly impossible for a group of five team to make the playoff unless the the path is you basically got to go undefeated or take one loss the in year one and then year two you got to come back you got to be really good you have to have the right teams on your schedule so essentially you have to be able to beat a power five team a top 25 power five team in that subsequent year and go undefeated again so you basically have to like go undefeated two years in a row and uh and have the right teams on their schedule to do it and have some other chips fall because if there's four undefeated power five teams you're still not going to get in even Mm -hmm. if you do so and like you said the chips are falling for them i still don't know I, i have a hypothetical for you do you which of these? So I still think it's unlikely that Cincinnati gets in, even if undefeated. I think it's possible, but unlikely. I also think it's this is extraordinarily unlikely that we'd ever see three teams from one conference get in. But do you think? Like let's let's play this out here for a second. Let's say Ohio State's been vulnerable; they take another loss, uh, and everybody Penn State takes a loss somewhere along the way. Michigan, Big Ten champion, ends up with one loss. Okay. Okay. Then Oregon also takes a loss somewhere. Uh, they win the back. That's probably going to happen. Up. Yeah, probably, probably will. <laughs> yeah. uh, they have one loss. We have no, un- I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. We have no undefeated Power 5 conference champions. Cincinnati goes undefeated. And then in the SEC, Florida beats Georgia and then goes and beats Alabama in a rematch in the SEC championship game. So in the SEC, you have <laughs> yeah. an... One loss Florida, conference champion. One loss Alabama, who already beat the conference champion earlier in the year, on the road, mind you. Mm -hmm. And then you have a one loss Georgia, who didn't play in their conference championship. Do you think it's more likely in that scenario, three SEC teams get in, or Cincinnati gets in? Or both? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I... I think, wow. Um, I mean, we've seen, I feel like we've seen all of those SEC scenarios play out. We just haven't seen it all happen in the same season. Um, I, I, well, to answer your question, I think it's probably more likely that we see three SEC teams if that happens. Um, I, I don't know. I, I mean, right? Like, who are you going to, I mean, I think if there's a team to exclude in that from that group, it would have to be Georgia in that scenario. Right, the only one who didn't play in the title game and yet still has a loss, which again we've seen teams like that make the playoff. But uh, yeah, I mean that's yeah. I mean you make a good point. I, it, it they need some serious chaos, like like O seven level chaos for Cincinnati to make this happen. Um, but you're right. But they do like. I feel like this is a tired, like sports talking head talking point about like, this is the best chance. UCF has the best chance a group of five has ever had. And now Cincinnati has the best chance a group of five, but you, you, you named all those sort of credentials that you need. And they, they have that. They have one of, if not the best G five head coaches, definitely the best G five quarterback, like one of the best. Are you sure about that? What G five quarterback stuff? Uh, Yeah. Are you sure about that? Oh no. Who am I missing? My boy, uh, not well, my boy, not my boy Tanner Mordecai. Who are you? So I mean, I would say th- this year we we've seen a few things, but uh, Grayson McCall at Coastal Carolina, sure, is like the. I think he's. Yeah, I know he's number ten in ESPN's QBR right now. And then I mean, are you are you just not into to Hainer Mania? 
That's true. Yes, Hainer Mania has taken over. I'm fa- okay. That's fair. He's listen. My point being, this dude has made it happen on a major scale, and they are among, if not the best. Like we have established parts returning off that team from year one of what you mentioned is required for a G5 team to potentially make the playoff. All that shit came back. Hopefully I can cuss on here. Sorry. I'll, I'll try not to from here on out. Uh, yeah. Good. You're good. You're good. Great. Checks out. Good adult audience. Uh, yeah. So (laughs) I I don't know. I think, I think you make a good point and your hypothetical, you know, makes, does make it seem very difficult, especially with where we're heading. I guess my point being they need a lot of chips to fall and more have fallen to this point than I maybe expected. No, I, I agree. I just, I wanted to lay out that scenario because I think both of those things are, are unlikely, right? Like I, I do not think there's, we're going to get three sec teams in the college football playoff. However, I just think the way the system is set up, it's more, that is still more likely to me than Cincinnati getting in. Unfortunately. Um, I think there's a chance Cincinnati gets in, but I think it's going to require, I think it's going to require some, some more chaos to happen. Like you mentioned from my perspective, a couple teams that I have really changed my opinion on first is North Carolina from a negative perspective. Look, Sam Howell, we came into the year thinking about Sam Howell, and, and tell me if I'm off on this, but potentially first quarterback off the board in the NFL draft? Yeah, I think I think right there, right? Uh, I think people like Rattler too and probably aren't feeling too good about that one either. So yeah, yeah, you're right. So I, I just been I have not been impressed with North Carolina. They obviously threw a, a huge clunker in week one against Virginia Tech, which is, you know, you can kind of forgive that. It was on the road week one. Um, we can use the cliches. Lane Stadium's a tough place to play. But college ball is crazy. Things happen, right? But to take another loss, again, before the end of September, when this is a team, to make it a little personal for me, <laughs> I took in the second, with my second pick in the the college ball wins pool draft that we do. I mean, that's a team that I thought if Clemson falters, North Carolina is going to be the team, if any team can do it, to kind of step in and win the ACC. So, yeah, maybe I'm a little bitter about that because I have a, I had a personal rooting interest in, in North Carolina this year with our with our draft. But I just thought that was a team that was going to step up, and and if if Clemson did falter, they they could step up and win it. They had the talent, um, especially offensively. They had the quarterback. Defensively, you know, offensively they've been fine, right? They. Had, They've been they've put up some big numbers in a couple games, but they haven't been able to compensate for their defense. And I think that's what is either their offense had to compensate for the defense or the defense needed to take a, a big step up. And and neither of those things have happened. Yeah. Major disappointment. Do you have a positive? Yeah. And then the, the positive is um, it's a little more under the radar. But man, SMU, you mentioned Tanner Mordecai before the, the Oklahoma transfer. You know, coming off last year, Shane Bouchelle had a great a great year at SMU. They've been putting up points for the past couple of years with uh, Sonny Dykes there. And I don't know why. I just kind of thought, okay, they're losing Bouchelle. They're probably going to take some sort of step back. And they really haven't. I mean, they're, they're putting up points like crazy. They beat TCU last week. And I don't know if you listened to the show last week, Brian, but man... Did I feel dumb with everything I said about the Big 12, <laughs> considering my picks 
the the things that I gave out to this very audience, an audience I apologize, is I said, <laughs> you should go and consider betting on TCU to win the Big 12. And what did they do? They took a big fat loss. Mm-hmm. And you should consider betting on Kansas State to win the Big 12, who also took an in-conference loss. So uh, apologies, everybody. You win some, you lose some. But uh, I, you know, in that TCU game, I could not have been more impressed with the way uh, SMU was putting up points. Again, use a little cliche here, but Gary Patterson always has a good defense. And mm-hmm. but it, some of these cliches we say them because there's a kernel of a truth in them, and uh, that didn't really bother SMU. So what do they play for? Like the frying pan or something mm-hmm. like that? Skillet? Yeah, the sk- something like that. Yeah, <laughs> man, Some I'm taking just gonna gadget. piss off the whole state of Texas today. I didn't <laughs> know which funny. shade of red A and M is. You nailed it. You I did, it. Okay, you I did right. get it. And then I called the skillet a, a frying pan. But yeah, we'll they they've been really impressive to me. I think if we look at you know what the roadblocks might be for Cincinnati, SMU's definitely definitely one of the roadblocks there. I think the AAC doesn't always get the credit it deserves. Um, as being a tough league, but it is really tough to go undefeated in that league. There's a lot of teams that can score points in that league. And I think SMU is one that I thought would just take a little bit of a step back, but they, they really haven't there. I gotta, I gotta look exactly where they are now in uh, SP plus, but I think their offense is, they are now the number 15 offense in SP plus as of this week. So that is a really good offense. And uh, that that's a team that, has really kind of changed my mind over the course of the season so far. Let's get that Texas audience back. This is the this is why Tanner Mordecai is my boy. It's there's a Waco Midway to SMU quarterback pipeline because and I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but when I was working in Waco and covering this team, Tanner Mordecai was the sophomore backup on the Midway High School uh, football team, and he was backing up. Ben Hicks, who went and played quarterback at SMU. So there you go. Uh, shout out Waco Midway. There Hewitt Midway, is. technically. There you go. That's that's how we get the Texas audience back. <laughs> I can I offend them and Brian reels them, reels them back in. There we go. There Welcome. we go, buddy. <laughs> so before we move on to, to the week five slate here, uh, I, I want to get your thoughts on which conferences you're excited to watch the rest of the way? Is there a, a conference title race that you're particularly interested in? Or is it, or is there just a conference that you're like, man, I want to watch a lot of these games the rest of the way. Cause we are getting into conference planning. Yeah, for sure. And, and I assure you as far as the watch goes, I did not look at what you wrote, but I wrote the same thing you did and I'm going to steal it. Cause I, I basically was going to tee it up being like, is this the most cop out answer like of all time? Right. But, I want to watch the SEC. They've got a, the, some of the best teams in the country, surprise teams, Arkansas, Ole Miss, teams that with those two in particular, I'm I'm sort of still looking for the other shoe to drop this weekend. Super, obviously, interesting for those two teams in particular, um, playing Alabama and Georgia. And so, I, I mean, I can't wait to see those games. But even just, you know, week after week, so many good teams. Florida, uh, can they beat Georgia and, and go into that scenario that you're talking about? So many things that are going on. Title race wise, um, we we pick different ones. I'm really interested to hear you elaborate on yours. Uh, what I what I came up with, and uh, again, maybe a cop out, was the Big Ten, just because I think there's still a few questions that I, we think we know the answers to, but I'm really excited to see over the next few weeks if things start to separate themselves. So, like, how many actual contenders are there in the Big Ten East? Right, like five teams are undefeated four of them only played one game but 
all four of the four of the five teams ranked in the top 20 of the AP poll. So like they're getting some respect is, is Michigan actually good? Is Michigan state actually good? Is Maryland actually good? I don't, I don't know for most of those. So excited to see that one. And then in the West, like it sure seems like Iowa has separated itself, but largely nationally, I don't think Iowa was picked to win the division. And so how does Wisconsin progress, even though they they've taken a couple of tough L's is, I mean, I don't, I don't think Purdue's for real, but Minnesota, Northwestern, can anybody kind of step up and, and compete with Iowa or the Hawkeyes just going to run away with it? And then the clash at the end, which is sort of what I feel like the big 10 title game has been for a few years now, which is like, can the team from the West actually compete with the team from the East, which is normally Ohio state. And so um, I, I, that one is normally a fun conference to follow and I'm excited. So those are my two, uh, this is where you get the hard hitting analysis. I want to watch SEC and big 10 football, you know? So, so the thing about the big 10 to me, Brian is I think on any given Saturday, Iowa actually can step up and compete with any one of those big 10 East teams, which should make for a, a fun championship game I, I i do assume at this point Iowa's gonna win we're gonna definitely get into iowa a little bit more because part of the reason you're here is because we got to talk terps and they have a big game against iowa this week but i i do think iowa is uh they're certainly the favorite on that side of the division now could wisconsin you know pull it out still certainly but i think it's a two-team race there uh, but the i'm gonna just go ahead and assume iowa can does win that division and the way their defense is built I think they could give any of those teams an, an interesting game. I think the East race is going to be a really fun one to watch. You're right. I think Michigan is kind of this, they're kind of this X factor to maybe the entire college football season nationally. Nobody gave them a chance to, to do much entering the year at all. And they've done nothing but, but impress thus far. Now I, I still think I'm at the point with Michigan where I am not going to pick them. I'm not going to pick them. I'm not going to bet on them. I'm not going to believe <laughs> that they're going to beat Ohio State until they actually do beat Ohio State. I'd rather be a year late on that than a year early because if you're a year early, you're going to keep being a year early. And uh, I've had some good success going the other way uh, in that rivalry as of late. So, you know, I... I do think they're just, they could be the X factor to this entire college football season. Cause if they are truly a top five team, then the big 10 East is maybe that I still hesitate to say, cause the sec West looks so good, but yeah. it's one, two clearly with the sec West as the best division in football. And you have three teams in that division who could potentially be national title contenders with, maybe two other teams in Michigan state and Maryland who are on the ri- who are on the rise right now and trying to kind of turn the corner as as programs with with new coaching staffs and then you have Indiana who looked like they were that team last year who turned turned the corner and they were building that program up that have kind of taken a step back a little bit but they're still a pretty decent football team like I, nobody's going to be surprised if you told me if i told you Indiana beats Maryland, that's not going to surprise you, right? Or Indiana no. beats Michigan State. That doesn't surprise you. So I do think that's a, a really interesting race to watch. For me, you know, I'm with you on the SEC. I'm not going to go any further on that. But I, actually, one point I do want to make on that. Is it kind of weird? Do you tell me if I'm way off base on this? But is the SEC a little bit turning into the Big 12 and the Big 12's a little bit turning into the SEC? You have in the Big 12 now, 
Oklahoma doesn't score and Oklahoma State doesn't score and they're like pretty good on defense. They're kind of built on on defense right right now. And then in the SEC, we're going to get to this game certainly at some point here shortly, but Alabama Ole Miss has a, a total of 79 and a half points. I mean, yeah, they they always seem to be on the forefront of what you're supposed to do in college football. And it's like the rest of the conferences, as soon as they catch up, the Big 12 is like, oh, we're supposed to play defense. We Like we could have done this all along. <laughs> they start playing defense and Bama and Georgia are like, wait, no, I don't know. We score 50 a game. Like, what are you talking about? Yep. Uh, yeah. So, no, you're right. That's a great point. But the thing I do like about the SEC is, uh, aside from the offenses progressing, I think there's a lot of different styles right now. Like, Georgia, still, as good as their offense has been post-Clemson game, they are still a Kirby-smart team that they they want to be physical, they are going to be built on defense, and then you have Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss that is is the opposite of that. I just like the different styles in the conference right now. I think that'll be fun to watch. And then, you know, I got to give some G5 love again. Sunbelt is the conference title race that I'm actually the most interested in watching. It's not the sexiest, but there are three really good teams in that league. I'm not saying I'm going to sit down and watch every Georgia Southern game or anything like that, but I am really interested in watching the games between Coastal Carolina, App State, and uh, Louisiana. So those three teams are all really good football teams that you know, I think if you put them in the American, they'd be competitive in the American. And uh, I think there's going to be some really good, exciting games. Coastal is just an exciting, Coastal is just a really exciting team in general. I mentioned their quarterback, Grayson McCall, uh, earlier in the show, but just offensively, they're a super explosive offense. They're second in the nation in yards per play, and they're ranked eighth in SP plus offensively. Look, that's good for anybody, much less a Sunbelt team. So uh, maybe one of the best Sunbelt teams we've ever seen. But this, these three teams together, they might be three of the best Sunbelt teams we've ever seen. All And they're all playing in the same year. So mm-hmm. uh, when those three teams play, I'm definitely going to be watching. I think that's an interesting, uh, that's just an interesting conference title race to watch. And it's meaningful because, you know, I'm going to make up the bowl games here. But the the team that finishes third in that conference is going to go to a bowl like the equivalent of the Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana, whereas the the winner of that conference, they might get that that G5, you know, New Year's Six bid, uh, depending how everything shakes out with Cincinnati and the other AAC teams. So it's a pretty meaningful difference for, for those programs between winning that conference and finishing third in the conference. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think we're just a couple of weeks away, three weeks away maybe from coastal and app so yeah it's going to heat up real quick and and that's a great point the drop off is is a great way to look at the answer to the question the what happens in the regular season is absolutely massive for every team in that conference particularly those three teams because you're right they're among the best g5 teams in the country but if you're not among the top one in your conference you're not even going to be looked at that way. So that's a great point. It matters, right? It's like in college yeah. basketball with the right, auto right. bit. You can have a great regular season, but if you're in a one bid league and you don't play well in your conference championship game, then it's, it's, it matters a lot. It's not like, you know, Duke not playing, not showing up in the ACC championship game uh, and laying an egg, but they're going to be a two seat the next week anyway. Right. Sure. So that, that's, you know, this, the stakes do matter. Uh, yeah. and, and that's important to me. All right, man. Anything else, uh, kind of big picture wise, on on these first four or five weeks here before we jump into the week five slate? No, let's do it. Let's talk games. All right, week five. We're gonna start off this week with 
our beloved Maryland Terrapins. They play 8 p.m. Eastern time Friday. They're hosting number five Iowa Hawkeyes on FS1. Brian, this is the most excited you've been about a Maryland game since. Um, well, I, I thought about this answer. I, I, the the factual answer, I think, is actually uh, where I'm located right now. Because, and, and that wasn't, it was for a different reason, right? So I know that's not what you were getting at, but I wanted to be upfront with it. For the listeners, we came, Stephen, myself, and our group of college friends, uh, well, there was probably 10, 10 of us or 10 or 15 of us, came and went to Maryland at Texas. That would have been 18, 2018 season opener. I think uh, 2017. I think 18 was the year they played them at FedEx Field. They played at FedEx. Okay, yeah. so 17 season opener. And that just, you don't have realistic expectations of Maryland winning at Mighty Texas. Like, you just didn't. It just happened to be like the most fun weekend we've ever had, and like just great seats. Uh, they they just lit up the scoreboard. I think they scored more than fifty points on Texas in that game, despite losing a quarterback to a torn ACL, which became a theme. Um, and so, I think for me, I like I was so excited for that trip and therefore that game. I think if they, I guess it would have been the next year, right? If they hadn't lost to Temple, it would have been the ensuing Penn State game, which they ended up getting ravaged in do i have that timeline? that was so two years the loxley's first year yeah yeah that's right okay yeah yeah so 2019 season beat syracuse so maryland beat syracuse loses a temple and then they had a big uh friday night it was also a friday night game i believe against penn state um which did not go very well no, we which left, is we left at halftime, and I nearly team. broke up with my girlfriend, Penn State grad. So. <laughs> hey, but but a happy ending because now wife, now wife, yeah, we made it, <laughs> and you know what? We could trace that directly back to us leaving at halftime of that game. So well done, good decision by us. Uh, but yeah, I'm interested to hear your answer because I I would imagine maybe further back. I got to go all the way back to 2013. Wow. So. There, you know, was not much exciting about the Randy Etzel era at Maryland. Mm. However, in 2013, Maryland did start off 4-0. They dominated the first two games of the year against FIU and Old Dominion. They went on the road and beat UConn, which they weren't the worst team in the country at the at the time. And then the, the icing on the cake, Maryland played West Virginia at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore. It was pouring rain pouring another, rain another blast amongst friends by the way where where did you live at the time brian winchester virginia my first tv job yep brian came into town for the game um we had an absolute blast maryland beat west virginia 37 nothing brian was asking west virginia fans if that was good uh <laughs> throughout much of the fourth quarter if being up 37 nothing was good they didn't take too kindly to that uh, but that was an awesome game, and Maryland was 4-0. And again, it's like, okay, this Randy Etzel era got off to a pretty rough start, but, you know, maybe things are, are looking up. Uh, I'm pretty sure Stefan Diggs was there then, right? Is that, uh, that's was, it, yeah. Diggs, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Diggs. Stefan Diggs was, uh, was at Maryland at the time. You see what he's become in the NFL. We all saw it years ago when he was at Maryland. Uh, he could have played and started anywhere in the country, but he stayed home and did it at Maryland. And there was a real reason for optimism at 4-0, beating West Virginia, a team Maryland 
really hadn't had much success against and is considered a, a rival uh, for, for Maryland fans. And Maryland's 4-0. They have a bye week. They get ranked. And they're going to Tallahassee <laughs> to play Florida State. And this is a huge game. And this is a Jameis Winston-led Florida State team that Maryland promptly lost to 63-0 in route to Florida State, winning the national championship over Auburn that year. So that is the last time I have been this excited about a Maryland football game. Did that give you pause? (laughs) It did not go well, right? Like in all of these examples we're bringing up, I I don't think it went well. But I think we got to say all that to say, it's been a while since there was a reason to be excited about Maryland football. It feels really good to have something to be excited about now in year number three for Mike Loxley. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and I think like, as the saying goes, I'm ready to be hurt again, man. Like, like I do feel like there's something here. I know, I know we're going to get into like, what does this mean for locks and all that stuff? But I think this is the perfect time to start that conversation because this does for me, feel like that pivot point. I mean, here we are where it's time to show like we're moving in the right direction, right? Or to continue to show. And I think that there are, there have been like indicators so far this season, right? Like I think maybe they, they lose that Illinois game that they narrowly pulled out in the past, right? Like for much of the second half, I was like, oh, this is where this is headed. And uh, those are the games that, you know, Eventually, you hope they're not that close. I think Maryland's a better team than Illinois. I think that the spread was higher than that. Illinois covered. And and you want to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Um, But they won that game. And in the past, they might have lost it. And so here we are at this opportunity where you've got a top five team coming to town. Friday night lights. Campus will be buzzing. Uh, Game is sold out, I think. uh, The uh, Pecorella, the punter, just posted a sign from outside the stadium, like a parking sign that says football game sold out. So I'm going to take their word for it, um, which is how it should be. And so here we are. Come show up. Let's see what we've got. And, you know, I don't know. I, I've been caught saying this before, but it does to an extent feel a little bit different. They, I mean, it, they haven't had a guy running the show like Talia Tungavailoa in my lifetime I, I i don't know what the answer to that is yeah. but like this dude is one of the best quarterbacks in college football right now and it's not hyperbole and so you haven't been able to say that about maryland in a really long time and so yeah i i, I think i mean it's, it's wild we're going back to 2013 but here we are it's it's another pivot point it's an opportunity and uh and I can't wait to see what they do with it. Fingers crossed, hesitating, kind of blocking myself from potential pain. In the last five years, do you know how many times Maryland's beaten a top 25 team? In the last how many years? Five years, since the 2016 season. Oh, it can't, it can't be many. Texas was, Texas was ranked at the game I was talking about. Correct. I, I doubt Texas was ranked at FedEx Field. Maybe they were. They were. That's two. Uh, two? <laughs> oh, uh, no. Oh, darn. I can't think of another one, but I'm sure it's out there maybe. Oh, you, you, Syracuse. 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 Yeah, yep, that's Is it, it three? Three. Okay. Three in the last five years. So 
I think this game represents a huge opportunity for Maryland. Maryland has often, far more often than not, been absolutely blown out by Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan when they've been in the top five or ten, which has been a lot since they've joined the Big Ten. And uh, Maryland had that one extremely close game with Ohio State that went to overtime that they were a two-point conversion away from from winning an open two-point conversion, I, I might add as well, from, from taking most down Ohio open. State, as open <laughs> as you can get. Uh, <laughs> uh, but far more often than, than not, the games have been more like 63-0 than they have been overtime games. And I think that in, in an area in an area like the DMV, where the Ravens and the Washington football team absolutely dominate the football discussion in in the region it's not good enough to you know win six games by beating the non-conference teams some middle of the pack big 10 teams and then getting absolutely blown out by by the the top tier teams on the schedule even if you're not beating those teams you have to at least be competitive with them and I think it, that is the most important thing for Maryland on Friday night is they have to be competitive. And Iowa and is not the team, in my opinion, like some of those Ohio State teams of the past, like the Penn State teams of the past, where they're going to beat you 63-0. They might not let you score any, but they ain't going to put up 63 on you. No. So I think just it's kind of an inherent advantage for Maryland right there. Uh, but Maryland has to be in that game. They... That's the most important thing to me. Win or lose, they need to be in the game because you got to capture the imagination of people who are who don't live and breathe Maryland football every week because they haven't had a reason to since the early aughts. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a great point. I think what scares me with that, I, th- I think it's fair. What scares me with that is the next game is at the shoe. And so if if you lose that game, even if it's close, like – a blowout in either one of those games is not is not obviously it's not a great thing. But I guess I would pose that question to you then because I remember you saying in in a offline when we were texting about just kind of the trajectory of the team where it was like, hey, four and one with an L to a top five team is a great start to a season. So for you is you mentioned it I think, but is it it's just four quarters of competitive football and you can buy in that the trajectory is continuing the way that we think and hope it is. Yes, correct. Four quarters of, com- of competitive football, but you got to back that up with then you got to go get wins against the Indianas of the world, the Michigan States of the world. Cause like everything's on the table right now for Maryland. Maryland could go four and eight this year. They could yeah. lose out. They could lose eight games. Their remaining eight big 10 games. They could go one and seven and finish five and seven, or they could go 500 and uh, or 500 the rest of the way finish with a winning Big Ten record, which would be the first time I believe they've ever done that and finish eight and four. Like it's all on the table. But if they can be competitive, if they can put up a game against against Iowa, uh, I would be encouraged really no matter what happens against Ohio State. I weirdly think they kind of match up better in some ways with with Ohio State because Maryland's strength is there is the passing game and Maryland strength on defense is the is the secondary. Uh so I think they kind of match up Will Ohio State a little bit better in some ways. If that was a I wish it was a home game. But um even if they go out and they lose the, both those games, if they can at least be competitive and then back it up with wins against the the middle of the pack against their peers or at even what they 
at this point they hope are their peers, mm-hmm. then 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 I feel really good about it. The reason why I actually do feel really good about this game on Friday, and I will share my first bet of the week is Maryland plus three and a half. Wow. Is I we have not really had to see Iowa play from behind against a, a good team. They were behind to Colorado State last week, but I want to see Spencer Petrus in a situation where he has the ball and he has to take that team down the field and score because they're down 14 and they're on the road and the crowd is going crazy and they're on the ropes, right? And no matter how well their defense plays the rest of the game, he's got to go and take that team down the field and win. And I just, you know, he might be able to do it. He might not, but we really haven't seen it yet. He was a essentially a replacement level quarterback in the Big Ten last year. So if you're saying... You know, it's the game's not all about quarterbacks, but it's a big part of the of of any game. And uh, Talia Tungavaila is a better quarterback than Spencer Petrus. And you know, I just think on a Friday night, biggest game for Maryland in a long time. They have a good offense. Their defense, according to the advanced metrics, is actually better than the offense. And nobody really talks about that. They do, do a pretty good job of getting pressure um, on the quarterback. I want to see. I want to see Spencer Petrus have to play from behind and and guide Iowa to a win. And if he does it, I'll tip my hat to him. But I want to see him do it. You know who doesn't? Iowa fans, because whether or not they believe he can, that's not how they win games, and that's not what they want to see happen. And so, I I agree with you. I think for Maryland, a quick start is pivotal. Um, and so, yeah, we'll see. But I, I definitely, I don't t- trust Petrus. I, it's my lack of trust in Petrus that sort of is my lack of trust in Iowa as like a true contender of sorts. Like, imagine if they do win out and win the Big Ten and then they play Georgia's defense. Like, Petrus ain't lighting that up, you know? Like, so, um, yeah, I, I think that's a great point, And I think that is a, a key for Maryland for sure. Now, on the flip side for Maryland, I know we've just spent 25 minutes talking about Maryland football, but that was part of the point. It is a big game this week. Yeah. So, on the flip side, I think, you know, the nightmare is Iowa's defense is a really good defense. They come out, they get a couple quick three and outs. Maryland likes to play with some pace. And, you know, now you've basically burned about three minutes of game clock and you've had two drives and you can't do anything. I was running the ball well and you get behind 10, nothing right. Mm. And 10, nothing against an Iowa defense might as well feel like 35, nothing. So I think that's kind of the nightmare scenario there for Maryland. Um, So I do think that opening quarter is going to be really important either way. I feel like, did you see me, like, I was physically <laughs> reacting to what you were saying because I feel like we've seen this movie before. Like, I can see it, right? Like, they want to get a quick five yards on the first play, but the throw's a little high, incomplete. Okay, let's establish a run. One yard gain, third and nine, and then you're just, you're Tip ball sticks. pick. Tip ball pick, or even just <laughs> quick three and out, and it's like, oh my God, there's 14-21 left in the first quarter, and we're punting already. What's happening? So we'll see. I mean, are are you gonna bet the Terps, or are you uh, are you just gonna let uh, your emotions be the only currency on the line? Uh, I am going to let my emotions be the only currency on the line. I feel like I have been, I've been the other way where I'm the one being like the Terps are gonna roll. Sometimes I talk with some folks at work about our bets, and 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 they'll ask me about Maryland, and before that Illinois game, 
man, I was like, they're going to, they're going to roll. I really thought they were going to roll past Illinois. I don't know. Maybe in hindsight, I was being dumb and, and a lot of people would have stayed away or picked otherwise, but I was like, they're going to roll. And then that one was close. And I was like, listen, I, I'm not passing out betting advice on Maryland anymore. Stay away if it's it's good for your physical and mental health and uh, just enjoy the game like I'm going to try to do. At one one more note on it. Uh, SP Plus has Maryland yeah, as yeah. the outright winner in this game. Yeah. So, so. You, went, you went over this in a previous episode, but that's like a key for you when you're looking at bets. It's like you're getting three and a half points on what S&P Plus calls a favorite. That's a great bet yeah. for you. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's, there's value in that line. There's value in that line. All right, well, let's move on to the Saturday slate. Let's start with the noon games. Uh, I know we spent a lot of time on the Terps there, but that is really going to be a big one this week. Uh, so, you know, uh, we can... I, I do want to spend a little bit of time on some of these other ones, but, you know, you just you just tell me what you want to talk about as, as we go through them. So, Great. for me... Uh, all right, noon on Saturday, noon Eastern time, the TV1 game for me, number eight, Arkansas, going to Athens, taking on the number two... Georgia Bulldogs. That game's on ESPN. Athens is a great town. One of my favorite college towns in the country. Uh, Brian, is this is this TV one game for you? Oh yeah, I'm yeah. in agreement. I I, uh, I was scanning the TV one, TV two list, and we'll have some debates later on for this one. I mean, it's a no brainer, right? Top ten matchup. I don't care that the line is almost twenty. It's a top ten matchup in a prove it game for Sam Pittman and his program, and so. Um, yeah, I mean, I mentioned earlier, like as part of the parody, I wouldn't call it shocking that Georgia has looked like one of the best teams in the country, but they have looked like one of the best teams in the country. And so, uh, yeah, TV one game for sure. And one that I think. I think Georgia's going to win, but I think we'll learn a lot about Arkansas as well. Right. Uh, they beat, uh, you know, shorthanded A&M and, and that counts for sure. A&M still has a great D and, and they put up points against them. And I didn't get to see much of that game, but you texted me, Hey, I've been watching it. Arkansas is the better team. Now, how do you like UGA? And, and we'll see from there. So yeah, TV one for sure. I'll say for Georgia, if they, they, they have as tough a stretch as they have all season, the next four weeks, Arkansas at home at Auburn, Kentucky at home, Florida and Jacksonville for the cocktail party. We're going to learn a lot more about Georgia. They've played the two worst teams in the SEC to start their SEC slate, and they've looked really good while doing it. But I think they're going to have some more challenging times ahead. Uh, I am not betting this game, but the line's 18 and a half, and I think it's going to be a little bit closer than than 18 and a half. Like, I could definitely see this game being, you know, close throughout the, the first half and it, even into the fourth quarter. So, uh, yeah, I think this is the... This is the TV one game at noon. I like having these big noon games. Uh, TV two for me, I have Texas at TCU on ABC. The reason I have this one, Brian, is I just wondering if there's a Casey Thompson factor here where they figured something out with with making Casey Thompson their starting quarterback and they're just going to put up like 50 to 70 points every week like they have been. Yeah, and TCU's a, a good defense to do that against, it looks like, with SMU, the way they put up points. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. I, I think I would go I think I would go. Uh, Michigan-Wisconsin as TV2, but I think that's a totally valid point. And, um, I mean, Texas has looked good for the most part, except the Arkansas game. Um, so that, that'll be an interesting one as well. Uh, I think while we're doing bets, I don't want to let it get away. Actually, I sort of – I don't know how you'll feel about this. I saw the total for Georgia-Arkansas at or around – 50 
49 or 50. I kind of like the under in that game. I just think like both defenses are very good and have the offenses looked good too. Yes. But I think this may turn out to be more of like an old school sec game than some are anticipating. So I am going to bet the under in, in Georgia and Arkansas. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, Casey Thompson has looked good. Texas has looked good since he took over. Um, TCU hasn't, <laughs> particularly <laughs> on defense. Uh, and so so we'll see if, if they can li- – uh, TCU still got, you know, more more talent on defense than, than most of the teams they faced. Um, and so we'll, we'll see. All right. Well, moving right along here. Oh, other bet for me at the noontime slot. I'm going to go Buffalo plus seven hosting Western Michigan. I – Unless there's something I'm just completely missing here. I spent probably an hour a day looking for major Buffalo injury news, but I just don't really understand that line. It's a MAC game. It's a conference game. Western Michigan beat Pitt earlier this year. I bet that one. Uh, I, I gave that out on the show. But Buffalo uh, looks pretty good, even with the lo- loss of their head coach, Lance Leopold, uh, to start the year. I-, I feel like these two two teams are, you know, very comparable. I expected this to be more like a field goal than a touchdown. Uh, so I'm going to play Buffalo here. I, I feel like there's value here. And a lot of the uh, analytics that I look at also feel like there's value here. So that's my other a bet at the noontime slot. Anything else for you at the noontime slot, Brian? Nothing else for me. Wisconsin, Michigan, Wisconsin, total stay away. Uh, I'm, you know, you mentioned about not, not going with Michigan against Ohio State. I'm just not going – Michigan at all in any direction until I feel like I know a little bit more. That's a program I couldn't get a read on for a while. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good at that point. Um, I did look at Western. I, I think, you know, that they can put up points and play defense. Um, you know, I, I mean, they gave up 40 to pit and then held their next opponent. I can't remember who it is. N- nobody great, but just to three points. Um, they look like a good Mac team, but I, I would be with you in, in that. I, I saw it, uh, Somewhere closer to five and a half, but I haven't looked in a couple of days. It gets to seven, seven point. I just got dog. it at seven this yeah. afternoon. Yeah. I mean, a home dog of a touchdown in a game where it doesn't seem like there's that much of a difference. Uh, I'm on board with that. All right. Moving on to the next game. So this is at a weird time slot, 2.30 Eastern time. Number seven, Cincinnati, a team we talked about earlier. Uh, taking on Notre Dame. Number nine, Notre Dame. I can't believe... That is a top 10 team uh, in South Bend on NBC. So going to have, I believe, Mike Tirico and Drew Brees on the call. Have you listened to Drew Brees at all this year? Uh, only in the studio. I haven't listened to him like on the call. Uh, have you? Has he been I, good? I haven't listened to much either, but I, I will definitely be intently watching this game. This is the game that I'm most looking forward to uh, all day on Saturday. And and I can't believe I'm actually saying that because I spent far too much of my time watching Notre Dame, Wisconsin last Saturday, which was definitely, definitely, definitely the sloppy stakes game of the day. <laughs> Let's slop them up. Uh, <laughs> that, I mean, that game was, that game was hideous. And that game is the reason why I love Cincinnati this week. They, I was hoping we could get Cincinnati as a as a dog getting a few points here. Unfortunately, uh, we can't. So I, my bet of the week, it's two and a half units to win two units on Cincinnati money line. The money line's minus 125. I love Cincinnati here. Uh, Notre Dame, it, they, they have a ton of problems offensively. They are, they, 
Jack Cohn takes a lot of sacks, and that's partially Jack Cohn's fault. That's partially the offensive line's fault. And, um, you know, good buddy of mine started a, a Notre Dame podcast. It's called Guyrish Talk. Apparently, that's the the way Notre Dame fans say go Irish. G apostrophe Irish, like like one word. Sure. But they were listening today to their preview of the of the Cincinnati game, and they gave some really good stats about um, basically how the offensive line is doing in rushing situations, and they are very very poor at getting a push. And you know, I, I think it's a uh, line yards is the stat. I can't remember offhand, but basically, it's how many yards uh, does a running back travel before first contact. So that kind of shows you how how well the offensive line is getting a push. And Notre Dame ranks very poorly in that side as well. So Notre Dame has some problems in the trenches on the offensive line. And Cincinnati is not a team you want to be facing if you have if you have problems on the trend in the trenches. Uh, Cincinnati has a really good defense, and I think they have the the much better quarterback. You called him the best the best G five quarterback. I mean, I don't. It's not so far. It's not. It's very possible he's the best G5 quarterback. Um, and I like him a lot better than Jack Cohn. So I, I really like Cincinnati here. Look, this is a huge game for them. This is their this is the this is their Super Bowl because if they don't win this game, everything that they want to accomplish is is out the window. If there is any chance of them making the college football playoff, they have to win this game. So they are gonna be ready for this game. Uh, I, I feel really confident about that. I think they have a, a really good defense. I, I trust Ritter, uh, and I, I, I like them to win here. Yeah, I, I hinted at it earlier that I thought we were gonna agree with this. This this is it seems and I like the money line play too, right? Like it's only minus one, 120, 125, something like that. And um I, I think that's the move for all the same reasons. I don't want to get too sidetracked, but I'm curious to get your thoughts. Do you think that there's anything to uh Marcus Freeman being Notre Dame's defensive coordinator that like gives them an advantage? I mean, maybe there's something, but they know he's there too, right? They're not gonna run too much that he obviously would be intimately familiar with. I tend to think like stuff like that is a is a bit overstated. Sure. Yeah. So I mean, I wouldn't. I, I. It's not something that factors into my into my decision whether to play that game. Okay. Or that's not. Fair. I mean, I don't know. You've sp- you've spent a lot more time around coaches than I have. Do you think that's something that that coaches the coaching staffs would care about? No, not really. Only what I what I was sort of alluding to, which is like. Luke Fickle also knows that Marcus Freeman is their defensive coordinator. And so they're going to prepare as such. They're not going to, if they show looks that Marcus Freeman thinks he knows what's coming, it probably is something different that they installed for that exact reason. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think it should, it should impact your plays. Um, and I don't think it'll, it'll impact it too much. Just a, an interesting, you know, you're right. A bit overblown, something where it's one of the games of the week and you need talking points. And that's one of them. Speaking of talking points, like, Okay, look, I know that if you are broadcasting a college football game, like part of your job is to make it exciting, right? Mm-hmm. And often that involves the the quarterback matchups. But in the past couple weeks, I have seen, and it's not only like the the folks calling the game, but also the ESPN studio shows that they'll like, you know, flip to for, for a game break or whatever. I've heard hype about, Bo Nix versus Sean Clifford as like mm-hmm. Bo Nix, Sean Clifford next. And mm-hmm. <laughs> then Jack Cohn and Graham Mertz. Like, yeah, guys, yeah. I get it. Like, I know part of the job is to make it exciting, but like, 
can you just not lie to me? Like, I know none of those quarterbacks are very good. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. That's funny. Um, <laughs> just, yeah. Uh, Bonex and Sean Clifford. Like, what, that was uh, just a... Who will not set their team back the best? Tune in and, and find out. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. I, you know, quarterbacks, people, that's, that's who people know on teams, right? You're trying to get even the fringe fan to tune in and, and, uh, but that's a, that's uh, an interesting point. Definitely a fair one. I think, by the way, Gus was really dropping the Jack Cone lacrosse stuff uh, last mm. week. Mm. I feel like that's a new, that's like a, one of the new age, going to be one of the new age Jerome Bettis is from Detroit type yeah, things. Like, yeah. did you know Jack Cone played lacrosse, especially if they win this game, dude, if Notre Dame wins this game, I mean, as bad as they've looked at times this season they're going to be in the national title conversation that's right and and everybody's going to know about jack cone everyone's going to know about jack cone playing lacrosse um so shout out to the guyrish podcast for for dropping some of those stats on me today i i think uh I just really like Cincinnati here for for all the reasons mentioned. So let's move on to the 3.30 Eastern time time slot here. Uh, Other biggest game of the day for me that I'm looking forward to is number 12 Ole Miss at number one Alabama on CBS. I won't sing the music. I did it a couple (laughs) weeks ago. Gives me chills every time I hear it. I'm going to miss it when it moves off CBS. Brian, Matt Corral, Ole Miss quarterback, Currently the Heisman betting favorite, mm. plus 155 on BetMGM. He's the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. Of the seven Heisman Trophy winners during the college football playoff era, six were on a team that actually made the playoff. The seventh was Lamar Jackson. So either you have to be a once-in-a-generation talent or you have to be on a really, really good team to win the Heisman. Which one of those do you think Matt Corral is? <laughs> wow, well done. Uh, I I don't think Matt Corral is going to win the Heisman. Uh, I don't. So I'm here's so here's one of my my betting strategies, and it it's going to help me get to an answer, right? And this is not a a good betting strategy, but if I'm like in a bind, I will turn to this, which is. Which can I wake up the next day and be like, I'm content with myself that I bet on this team. And you're telling me like, so I'm laying the points with Alabama and, and it's scary to be that many points against a team that plays well on offense that has, you know, in the Kiffin era, they did give Bama some trouble. I, if I bet Ole Miss, and I wake up and Alabama won 42 to 21. I'm going to, I'm going to be like, yeah, no shit. It's Alabama. And so, you know, if it's closer than I anticipate, I can tip a cap, but I will wake up on Sunday and say, I laid points with Bama and I feel really good about that. And so, um, I, I, I don't think the answer is, is, necessarily either i mean corral's great he's been putting up crazy numbers uh it's been really really fun to watch i do not believe that he is quarterbacking a playoff team no yeah i'm i'm with you i just when i saw that i'm like you have to be one of those two things to win the heisman and that's why i would never i mean it doesn't often make sense to bet on a favorite 
anyway. Yeah. But I mean, it really stood out to me. And now I, I do have to say, Bryce Young, Alabama's quarterback, is is number two in that conversation right now. Mm-hmm. He has the second best odds to to win the Heisman. So we're looking at a potential Heisman Heisman battle here. To your point on the betting strategy for this game, I am actually going with the over, over 79 and a half. This reminds me, like I said, the SEC is turning into the Big 12 and the Big 12 is turning into the SEC. This just reminds me of those Oklahoma, Oklahoma State games, maybe like five, four or five years ago, where it's like they could just not make that total high enough and it would go into the 80s and they'd still smash it by 16, 18 points, right? And I, I just feel like that's what's going to happen here. Um, I think it's opened at 77 and it's just been climbing and climbing. I wish I would grabbed it a little bit earlier. I, as far as if I was were to play a side, if it got under two touchdowns, I would definitely play Alabama uh, for the reasons you mentioned. I also just think in a high-scoring game, you know, we both love the Solid Verbal, great college football podcast, and they always said on Solid Verbal, they always say, in a shootout, take the points. My philosophy is actually completely the opposite. It's in a shootout, lay the points. Because if there's more points in play, the points you're laying are less meaningful. So, like, laying two touchdowns in a game that's going to have a total of 80 is, I mean, this isn't an exact comparison. I didn't do the math on this, but mm-hmm. that's the equivalent of laying a field goal, you know, in a game that, that has a total of 50, right? It's not, it, they don't mean the same thing. So I always like, if I'm going to bet a side in a shootout, I'm going to take into it, or if I'm going to bet a side, I'm going to take into account the total. If I can get, you know, 10 points in a game that has a total of 50, that, that means a lot. And it means a lot less if the total's 80. So, I, you know, I don't worry so much. Like like you said, you could easily wake up in the morning and be like, oh, yeah, Alabama won by 21. You could also see it being like a 60 to 57 game somehow, right? Yeah. That's wild because all these old Miss Alabama games have been crazy going way back uh, way back to the Hugh Freeze days. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm interested. I'm, I'm always going to be interested in this one. You know, I also think one more thing on Alabama. I feel like for a team that didn't lose yet this year, they've gotten a whole lot of flack for playing close at Florida. <laughs> yeah, like I, I yeah. feel like everybody is is writing them off in a way because they they played a close game on the road in the SEC and they won. Mm-hmm. They still won the game. I know. I know. You're right. You're right. It's it, and you know what? Saban probably loves that. People uh, I came in here talking about, "Hey, is Georgia just going to mess around and win the national title? And he's like, yeah, we'll just, we'll just chill here, remaining undefeated, blowing out Miami, escaping Florida. Sure. And I, yeah, I, I think it's, it's probably a good thing internally for the program. Yeah, I agreed. Uh, so that's my TV one game for the three thirty time slot TV two. I'm going Oregon at Stanford. Uh, is this, is this where you're going to disagree with me, Brian? No, I, I was on um, Michigan, Wisconsin on TV two oh, instead okay. of Texas TCU. Okay. Uh, that was my main one. No, I, I'm down with well, a little Pac-12, especially if they're gonna they're gonna put a Pac-12 game in my CFB watching window. You gotta take advantage of that before it gets too late. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I and it's not on Pac-12 Network. That's the other yeah, thing. You have uh, access to, watch to it. it. You, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So yes, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm putting it. I'm putting it on. 
Um, I really debated Stanford plus eight and a half, but I have not been able to pull the trigger on that one. So for now, that's a no bet. I am going to bet SMU minus 20 and a half against USF. Uh, That's at the 4 p.m. slot. So we talked a lot about SMU. Their offensive is explosive. USF's really bad. They're just a bad team overall, and I've been really impressed with SMU, especially offensively. Again, when you, when you have a lot of points in the game, I don't think the three touchdowns is, a, is as meaningful as if we're talking about like an Iowa-Georgia game. So uh, that that's one of my plays for the week here. Let's move into the nighttime. TV one for me in the nighttime slot. I am going to go... I don't love this night slate, to be honest, until mm-hmm. we get to the late night. So I'm going to go on TV one, number 10, Florida, going to Lexington to take on Kentucky. That game's on ESPN at 6 p.m. Eastern. And then TV2, I'm going to go Indiana at number four, Penn State on ABC. That's a 7.30 Eastern kick. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I am I was thinking about elevating Indiana PSU because I actually think I'm going to be on Indiana with some points. I think that they're... I I really don't think that they're as bad as they've played one, two, and we've talked about this a bit. I think Penn State's probably getting a little bit more credit than they deserve uh, for who they've beaten. Um, nice wins, but like, you know, Auburn was right there with a chance to win it, and so you know, I'm not going to sit here and act like I, sure is it a it's a road game at Beaver Stadium at night? Yes, but Auburn was right there, um, and and. It's a team that they lost to last year. Obviously, that's going to be in the back of Penn State's mind, especially given the way it ended. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I think that the Hoosiers are good and are better than they've shown, and I think that Penn State's getting hyped up more than maybe they deserve. And so that combo, those points looked appealing to me. So that's definitely on one of the TVs. Very interested in Florida, Kentucky. Honorable mention, I would say. I do want to check out maybe a little bit of Baylor and Oklahoma State. Baylor's coming off a really big win um, and uh, over Iowa State. And so are they for real? I think they they moved into the poll this week. So Dave Miranda doing some good things there in Waco. So uh, that's a sort of a honorable mention slash like laptop screen, like over on the side, just checking it out uh, out of the corner of my eye. Yeah, I think that's a good call on that Baylor Oklahoma State game. Uh, that that Big Twelve is wild. That middle of the pack yeah. in the Big Twelve, it's it's hard to figure out right now. It's a lot like the middle of the Big Ten East, where it's like I can't tell if these teams are like legitimate. Like they might be New Year's Six competitive good, or are they just going to like lose out? And this has all been kind of uh, smoke screens a little bit to this to, to this point. So uh, yeah, the Big Twelve has been been very interesting. We shall find out for sure. That's why we. Watch the games. That's right. <laughs> uh, for bets at this time slot, in the nighttime slot, I am going with Mississippi State getting seven points at Texas A&M. With Calzada at quarterback, I just don't think Texas A&M should be... Like, I do not trust Texas A&M giving or laying points at all right now because they don't score. They just don't score. No. They scored... Did they score 10 in their win against Colorado? Yep. And they scored 10 last week against Arkansas. Look, I mean, if you're only scoring 10, it's hard to lay seven. Uh, yeah, I don't I never get that. And they, their offense truly hasn't looked the same since Haynes King went out and he's not coming back. So at least not right now. I, I, I don't get that, no. too. That's a great bet. And then I'm going with Michigan State is hosting Western Kentucky. They're laying ten and a half. 
SP Plus has this as a 17-point spread, major value there. West Western Kentucky played Indiana very close at home last week, and I think this is kind of a letdown game coming off of that. They had a chance to beat a Big Ten opponent. Uh, they kind of let it slip through their fingers a bit, and now they got to go on the road and play Michigan State in East Lansing. So I think Michigan State is just a really good team. I think they're tailor-made uh, the way they're built to, to just beat G five teams and, and beat them badly. So 10 and a half seems like not enough there moving into the late night. Anything else for you, Brian and the night for bets? Nope. Let's do it. Late All night. right. Late night, really good late night slate here. 10 30 PM. Eastern time. Pretty late. Arizona state at number 20 UCLA. That game's on FS one. And then 9 PM. My TV two game is number 22 Auburn at LSU on ESPN. And as far as bets go here, I am going to bet Arizona State plus three and a half. I think UCLA and Arizona State are really even teams. Both have good offenses, but I just think Arizona State has a much better defense than than UCLA. Um, I don't know how much the home field matters in this instance. And uh, I've talked about it before, but Herm Edwards plays a lot of close games uh, ever since he's been at Arizona State, so I, I like the Sun Devils getting the points here. That's a good, and this is a great game. Like this is an important game. Whoever wins this game is going to be in. I mean, obviously they'll be the only two and oh, I guess Utah, but they're going to be in the driver's seat of, of the Pac-12 South, having beaten one of the other two best. No, teams no, Utah. Utah is far from far from two and zero. Well, one and zero in conference, right? Are they? Have their both their losses been? <laughs> yeah, they beat they're Washington just, they're terrible State. Losses. Yeah, they're just yeah, out yeah, of yeah. conference. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was just looking at the standings in real time. Yes, they they lost terrible games out of conference and actually won to know. And so in the co-driver seat for one more and uh, lost their days. quarterback. Yeah, yeah to yeah, transfer. That's right. That's right. My guy, Charlie Brewer. Um, so there you go. Yeah, no, this this is a huge game. Uh, I, you know, this is kind of the more traditional Pac-12 time slot. Unfortunately, I, I wish it was earlier because I think this is going to be a really fun game. If this was in one of those, those traditional daytime slots, I think people will be really into this one. So if you're staying up late, uh, this one's definitely well worth a watch. Uh, so that's the week five slate to recap my bets. I have Friday, Maryland plus three and a half on Saturday at noon, Buffalo plus seven. Uh, it's 2.30, Cincinnati, minus 125 on the money line for two units, 2.5 units to win two units. 3.30, Ole Miss, Alabama, over 79.5. 4 o'clock, SMU, minus 20.5. 7 o'clock, Mississippi State, plus 7. 7.30, Mississippi, uh, Michigan State, minus 10.5. 10.30, Arizona State, plus 3.5. And, and then I got an underdog parlay where I'm playing at points bet. They're basically offering free four leg parlays every week or get your money back uh uh parlays every week for for bets up to twenty dollars so for my underdog parlay i'm gonna go maryland money line stanford money line georgia tech money line and tcu money line that's four legs uh that is plus five thousand four hundred and ten so 
get a a nice hit there. It's four home dogs of uh, Stanford's the only one that's, that's more than a touchdown dog there. Everybody else is under, under a touchdown. So um, look, if you're, if you're playing somewhere where you, you have a promo like that, that's, that is where I will be using my, my four leg parlay money back promo this week. Brian, you want to recap your bets? And then, uh, you know, I, I should have hyped this up a little earlier, but <laughs> Brian is widely known as the parlay kid, the king of parlays, whatever you want to call him. So uh, let's get a little bet recap. And then I, I got to hear your your big parlay of the week. Yeah, it's, uh, it's I'm only called that because I place them, not because I necessarily win them. Um, just kidding. No, I, I've, I've hit two, two pretty big ones in my day that, uh, you know, covered a lot of losses and individual bets. So there you go. Um, so let me see. I've got definitely Cincinnati money line as well. Fewer bets than you. I'm, I'm in on Georgia, uh, Arkansas under 49. I mentioned that earlier, Bama, because I want to sleep well. I'm laying those points, Indiana. I'm taking points. Don't think S and P plus agrees with me there. Um, I, I feel pretty good. I hadn't mentioned this one about laying the two touchdowns with Ohio state against Rutgers. I still think there's a pretty good talent gap there that at least for a couple more years is going to play out on the field. So Ohio state's offense is still good. They're so good. It is still a good offense. Yes. They still have Chris Olave at wide receiver. That's right. And Garrett Wilson. They're, they're not hurting for playmakers uh, and scoring points. And so that's one that I could just see where it's like people are largely trying to talk themselves into uh, the Rutgers Renaissance a little bit. And I think it's just like on hold for a week. So I'm in on that one too. Uh, the parlay. So I, the reason I lose a lot of them and when I hit them, they matter is I do tend to try to find something like egregious to throw in there. I couldn't find it this week. You mentioned TCU money line as part of your underdog parlay. That's what I came back to, to kind of try to juice up that number. So I was betting Cincinnati money line. Uh, I could add Maryland money line. I could get behind that. But from what I have, Cincinnati money line, Ohio State, Georgia, Arkansas under Bama, and then TCU money line. Five legs would be ten to win you about six fifty nine, six sixty or so. So a pretty good win if, if you were able to do that. So um, we'll see. Let's win some bets this week. I'm really finding, like, as I'm looking at these lines this week, I think it just gets tougher as you get into conference play. But, you know, you got you got to find those edges where you can. So, um, look, if we can both hit those parlays, then it's going to be a good week for you, good week for me, good week for everybody listening. Man, this was a blast. I had a ton of fun. Uh, look, come back anytime and talk some football. I'll be back. Hopefully we're talking about the Big Ten East champion Maryland Terrapins at some point. Uh, in a couple of years when this show is uh, more widespread. <laughs> that's a, that's a deal. Any t- look, if Maryland is in Big Ten title contention or wins the Big Ten title, you have a open seat here to uh, to come back and talk Terps anytime you like. Well, again, this was a blast. Uh, thank everybody for listening. Enjoy the games this week, and I will talk to you all next week.